Now, here's Jack Riccardi. Good afternoon. Well, good afternoon. Happy happy birthday, KTSA. And happy uh, Monday to everybody. And um, I, I got to say, I hope you had a wonderful weekend. I hope you didn't have to spend a lot of time outside unless you like this kind of thing. Because it, it, is, it is hot out there. It has been hot out there. Uh, I had a garage sale on Saturday. It was brutal. Um, I have this weather app on my phone that tells you the temperature, and when it goes over a certain temperature, it puts a little cactus next to the temperature number. Like you wouldn't know, otherwise you wouldn't know that's hot. Like oh, this, this is really hot. Um, so the big story over the weekend was the uh, protesters going outside the Supreme Court justice justices' homes in the suburbs of Washington D.C. We don't know if the justices were there or not. Media organizations were quick to say some of them had moved to undisclosed locations. That in itself tells you something. I mean, you were probably at your house this weekend. If you had to spend the weekend, Mother's Day weekend, at an undisclosed location, that would be pretty disruptive. That would be pretty outside the norm. It's not normal to have to do that. The people that were outside these, uh, in these protests, well, one of them uh, told Bloomberg News, the time for civility is over. Do you agree with that? Do you look at what the uh, pro-abortion protesters are doing as just the other side of the coin? Like, well, if it was the other way around, pro-life people would be doing this. Is that how you see this? Because we actually have the example of pro-life demonstrations and pro-life um, vigils. It's an annual event, and it has been for decades. It's also a regular occurrence at Planned Parenthood here in San Antonio. It has been for many years. And it's not like driving people out of their homes, scaring their kids, walking on their lawns, writing in chalk on their driveways. It's not. Then we had abortion... Vandalism. Uh, there were uh, firebomb attacks in Virginia, Wisconsin, and a few other places against pro-life uh, places, pro, you know, pro-life organizations that where the where the building was identifiable, where it had signage, uh, vandals defaced, spraying things like "abortion is a right," fake clinic, and liars at a pro-life pregnancy resource center in Virginia. And on a Wisconsin pro-life center, uh, they said, if abortion is not safe, then neither are you. That's what they spray-painted on the building. In uh, lower Manhattan, some of the churches were blocked by pro-abortion protesters. At one uh, church, a woman uh, wearing a bathing suit stuffed to simulate pregnancy with baby dolls attached to her body explained to the crowd that these were babies she was aborting. Help me abort my babies, she screamed. And then as it began to rain, she complained, my aborted babies are all wet. Another protester said, God killed his kid, why can't I kill mine? Last week, the White House seemed to say this was okay. Peaceful protests. They must have got some poll numbers because they came out today... And said, oh, uh, well, we, we don't uh, condone these actions. We're not good with it. We never have been. Justices should be able to live in safety. 
president condemns the attack on the Wisconsin Family Action Center that I just mentioned. Jen Psaki said the president strongly believes in constitutional rights to protest, but they should never include violence, threats, or vandalism. You know, I'm seeing something here that maybe you see this too. This is not persuasion or persuasive. This is just rage. This is just burn it all down, nihilism. This isn't, we've got a point we want to make, come over and find out more, here's a, here's a pamphlet. Here are some facts you may not know. This is just, we're not getting what we want. And what do they want? Because I'm confused. You see, if you know anything about the potential of a Supreme Court decision overturning Roe v. Wade, something that hasn't happened yet, but if it were to happen... It would mean that each state would legislate abortion. Are you good with that? Why would you not be good with that? Why do people whose political party is called Democratic fear a Democratic process? Why does Amy Klobuchar, the Democratic senator from Minnesota, who's actually one of the more reasonable people in her party on a lot of things, say that she's afraid the minute the Supremes overturn Roe v. Wade, 20 or 30 states will ban abortion. If the pro-abortion people are right, if they've got the reasonable position, if the American people are with them, Amy Klobuchar said on one of the shows over the weekend that 75% of Americans agree with the Democratic Party on abortion. I don't know where she gets that, but she said it. Then why are you worried about state legislatures? What could be more Democratic lowercase d, then state legislatures directly elected by their populaces making the law for the state, and then if they don't get it right, being recalled, thrown out, challenged by their voters. Why are you so sure if your side and your position are right that you won't prevail in the 50 legislative battles that will be fought well you won't prevail in all of them but why aren't you at least confident that you'd prevail in most of them isn't it weird that people who claim to be for democracy these are also many of the same people that want to do away with the electoral college let's directly elect presidents by popular vote they're so sure they're right but they're so untrusting of you So if they're right and reasonable and everyone can see that we need abortion, what are they afraid of? Why are they insistent that the law of the land, and I put that in quotes because it's not a law when it comes from the Supreme Court, but why are they so insistent that the law of the land be the Roe v. Wade decision, which was a Supreme Court of all men, in 1973. And then you have the fence around the Supreme Court building. Now, the the justices had to leave their homes, we're told. But fencing went up around the Supreme Court building. And they're complaining about that, too. Simone Sanders, who was a Biden advisor and had worked for Bernie Sanders at one time and I think now has a media gig, tweeted, why are there six-foot-tall fences 
outside the Supreme Court because people are rightfully upset about the impending erosion of women's ability to make decisions about their own bodies. And she was comparing it to the fact that there were warnings ahead of January 6, 2021, and I saw not one fence. Why are you putting up fences now? And you didn't put them up around the Capitol. Well, of course, I thought January 6th was the worst thing that ever happened in the history of humankind. It was so awful. It was the worst thing ever. I still haven't recovered. Well, then why would you be against doing a better job of making sure it doesn't happen again? See, this is what I love about the January 6th thing. It was the worst thing ever, but it's useful forever. It's going to be a blanket excuse for everything that happens. If anything happens to the Supreme Court building, if anything happens to a Supreme Court justice, January 6th, what about January 6th? You people can't say anything because January 6th. So what do you want? If it was the worst thing ever, wouldn't you want to learn from it and have a better plan and not let it happen again? What, are they supposed to take the fences down around the Supreme Court because it's your turn to have an insurrection? And that brings me to the hypocrisy of this whole thing. Because I don't really believe, and I'm just going to say it, I don't really believe that the people who are pretending to be spitting mad about the Alito leaked opinion, really are. I think they love this. I think they're enjoying it. I know they're fundraising off of it. I'm pretty sure they're hoping it'll bail their ass out in the midterms because no other issue would. Not sure that will either, but they've got their hopes on it, right? Uh, This, to me, is a mirror image of how Republicans used to sound pre-Trump when they would spit and be angry and fume about illegal immigration. Oh, it's just awful. But they never do anything. President Bush didn't do anything. Republican majorities in Congress couldn't do anything. The reason they hate Trump so much in the Republican Party is because he made them do stuff they had always talked about doing but wouldn't do. Because they enjoyed the anger more than the action. Because they could fundraise off an unfinished job, but if they actually tried to take action, they were called accountable and on the carpet and it made some people unhappy. And So they they loved unresolved issues in the pre-Trump Republican Party the way the Democratic Party today loves the lack of resolution about abortion. Make no mistake about it. They don't want to codify it. And we're going to talk about what that would mean coming up with our constitutional law expert they don't want to resolve it they are enjoying relishing this moment and i hate to say this but i think the summer of 2022 is going to be just like the summer of 2020 only the rage will be abortion rage rather than race rage but rage is the main product of the left it's what they do it's what they have There's always got to be something outrageous. It takes the place of action. It takes the place of helping people or making people's lives better or having a a checklist that you can actually say, well, did you do this? You said you were going to do this. Did you do it? They don't want that. So this is perfect for them. 
stuff to burn, stuff to break into, people to intimidate, a lot of screaming. Tell me, tell me that hasn't been all they've put out since 2015. Yeah, do you favor each state making its own abortion laws? Does that seem like the right path forward, the, the right way to do it? Uh, do you prefer that the feds lay down the law for all 50 states? Can that work? It isn't part of the dilemma of Roe v. Wade, the weakness of it, that it doesn't stand on or it isn't supported by uh, the wisdom, the mores of the American people. It was a very um, intricate legal exercise and it didn't have any populist or popular base to it, maybe you don't think it should. Tell me what you think. 210-599-5555. But I'm telling you, the people that are screaming and taping plastic babies to their bodies are not are not as angry as they're pretending to be. Because this is useful. This raises money. This, they believe motivates and draws out voters you've got to scare people to get them to vote you got to tell them the world's coming to an end the sky's falling you got to tell them it's the most important election in your lifetime i mean we didn't used to do this i'm just saying that's what that's how it's played now i'm not saying i like it don't get mad at me i'm just telling you how they do it you've got to be scared to vote they think Glenn Greenwald made a great point. He said, why is it that the Democratic Party leadership is so up in arms about Roe v. Wade being overturned, but very quietly, they've all endorsed Henry Cuellar? Henry Cuellar is a South Texas Democratic congressman. He's got a primary challenger, a young woman who's pro-choice. Henry Cuellar happens to be pro-life. She's branded him the last pro-life or anti-abortion Democrat. I don't know if he really is the last one, but Glenn Greenwald's point is, how can the people that are speaking at the rallies and decrying the Alito leaked opinion be endorsing Henry Cuellar? I'll tell you why. Because they don't want to lose that seat. Henry keeps that seat Democratic for them. That's what actually matters to them. That's what this is all about. Now, they may not get it right, but that's what they think they're doing. It is performance art outrage. And you've seen this in politics before. I, I, you don't have to take my word for it. You, you've seen in your lifetime candidates and parties run on, we're going to do X, and you voted for them, and you believed it, or you gave them money. And then they didn't do it. Greenwald points out the Democrats ran in 2006 on a pledge to end the Iraq War. Did the Iraq War end in 2007 after they won the House? No. It did, they, did, they didn't defund the Iraq War. It was an unpopular war. They believed it would help them win the White House in 2008. It did. So even though they promised in 2006 to be the party that would defund the war, they didn't do it. And I can think of numerous examples in both parties. Again, I use the example of the Republicans in the border. How many elections 
did the Republicans win? How many funds did they raise with tough talk about the border and nothing? And then they were shocked. I mean, their faces fell off when Trump said, well, we're going to actually do it. They were like, no, 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 dude, you don't understand. We just talk about that stuff. We don't actually do it. He's like, no, we're going to do it. Oh, no. This guy doesn't get it. It's all for show. They don't care about the things they say they care about. And people keep falling for it. You know, climate change is another one. I'm sorry, but do you realize how many high-powered Democrats own shoreline property? Cottages by the sea? Summer getaways? If they really believed that the oceans were rising... They'd be battening down the hatches in Wichita, not sunning themselves in the Hamptons or at Cape Cod. I mean, get real. They don't believe it. They're flying around on private airplanes, spewing exhaust fumes. We've only got eight years. No, I don't think so. Now, the difference with the abortion debate, if we can even call it a debate, because it isn't, right? I mean, nobody's trying to, nobody's trying to reason with one another on this. We're all just staking out sides, but... The difference with abortion as an issue for the Democrats is that they may have gone way too far for a lot of people to follow them. I'm not sure it will play out this way, but if you start actually listening to what they're demanding, they're demanding that women have a right to abortion up to the minute of birth. They're not saying keep it rare and safe and last resort and... Even the Roe v. Wade decision was a trimester-by-trimester thing. No, they're, they're demanding much more than we even have now. They're also demanding a, a I guess you could call it a, a uh, an extremely liberal policy that most countries in the world don't have. Most countries in the world cut off abortion at the 18 to 20 week mark of a, of a pregnancy. These are people saying 40... 40th week, 42nd week, whatever. I mean, if people actually start to listen to what the screaming memes are demanding, it, it's going to be very hard to say, yeah, I feel that way too. Not to mention the whole argument they're making is premised as if we've never seen an ultrasound image. Now, in 1973, we hadn't. But I think most people today have seen, if not their own baby, certainly at least in news footage or documentary or whatever, you've seen babies in the womb. They look incredibly human. They don't look like masses of cells or clumps or whatever they're called. So they have put all their markers, they've put all their money on a horse, and I know we just had an 80-to-1 winner at the Kentucky Derby, but they have put all their money on a position that I think if people actually take a minute to say, well, what is it we're arguing about, or what is it that they want, I don't think very many people want that. I don't know if I don't know what the numbers are. I haven't taken a survey. I'm not sure I would trust a survey. But it seems like the Alito opinion, as I read it, is a lot closer to where most people are, at least in the ballpark, compared to what they're demanding. Their hope, I think, is that you won't pay 
particular attention to what they're demanding, but you'll just get caught up in the rage. Well, this everybody seems very angry. This must be a terrible thing that the conservatives and the whites are about to do, and we've got to stop them somehow. They better hope you don't actually pay attention to what they're demanding, what they're saying they're for, what they're saying they're proud of. It's 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 not a popular, broad-based position to take on on life, on human life. You know, we're a country that wells up when, you know, the the uh, what's it called, the uh, cruelty to animals. I can't think of the name. <laughs> can't think of the name of it now. You know, we, we get all we get all misty-eyed when we're watching a football game, and the public service announcement comes on with the abandoned dogs and kittens, right? They really better hope that you don't pay attention to the specifics of what they're proposing about human life. Last week, the White House was pretty chill about whether or not there should be protesters outside the homes of the Supreme Court justices. Today, they seem to have rethought that troubling answer. Instead of evading it and not giving a straight yes or no, it was all, uh, oh, we've never been in favor of that. The president in his long political career has never been in favor of mob action or violence or intimidation, et cetera, et cetera. But look, uh, maps were being given out to these uh, to the homes of these justices. The White House should have been saying last week and much more strongly what it mulled about today. But is there um, is there actually a legal issue here? Because people were throwing around last week uh, this um, section of the U.S. Code on demonstrations in the homes uh, or demonstrations in front of the homes of judges and other court officers. We wanted to ask that question to our constitutional law expert, Professor Bill Pyatt, on our KTSA Kinetico Quality Water Softeners Newsmaker line. Uh, so, Professor Pye, the question would be, does the U.S. Code specifically address the kinds of things we saw over the weekend? Absolutely. So we know that the First Amendment gives us the right to express ourselves, but we also know that Congress has the power to restrict the time, place, and manner of speaking. And one of the areas where they have acted is in Title uh, 18 U.S.C. Uh, Section 1503, that makes it a crime to attempt or to influence uh, a judicial officer or a juror. And it's a serious offense. Uh, the, a person who engages in attempting to threaten, send a threatening letter of communication or tries to intimidate a judicial official, in this case, members of the Supreme Court, they could get a minimum of 10 years plus a fine. And if there are Killings or attempted killings of penalties go way, way beyond that. So, yes, it's a crime, and it could and should be prosecuted. Now, the White House, uh, the, the, the press secretary actually said there is no official U.S. government position on where people protest. But you're saying the U.S. Code does take such a position. It sure does, and not just that one statute, but there's another statute. Uh, the Besides influencing a judge... There is a statute that makes it a crime to deface, damage, or destroy religious property or to try to threaten someone to prevent them from enjoying their free exercise of religious beliefs. So after the demonstrators commit their felonies in front of the Supreme Court justices' homes, 
then they moved to the churches, and they could violate that criminal statute as well, which has been upheld. It's the same statute that's been used to prosecute people involved in church burnings. And at an absolute minimum, there is substantial substantial uh, uh, prison time starting at the year and going way up, depending on the seriousness of the death or the injury. Mm-hmm. Even the firebombing could have been a three-year offense. Mm-hmm. So... So yes, there are there are specific statutes. The president is a chief law enforcement officer, uh, chief executive officer, and he has the constitutional duty to enforce the laws. Mm-hmm. Um, is there precedent for this? Uh, I don't. I personally don't remember anyone ever taking it to the front yards of Supreme Court justices before. Is there precedent where this has happened and and such uh, enforcement has taken place? Not that I'm aware of, but I know there have been prosecutions for people uh, burning church property, threatening people in their religious right. expression, and there's been prosecutions, successful prosecutions, brought against people under that same statute for attempting to influence jurors by going to their homes, threatening them, etc. So yes, it, it, the act of picketing a Supreme Court justice is unprecedented, but the law would clearly apply, just as it would to anybody who pickets the the home of a federal juror. Mm-hmm. Now, about the um, last week we had Senator Schumer saying we're going to have a vote to codify Roe v. Wade. Um, I, I realize people have called him out on the fact that he, he probably doesn't have the votes to do it, but if in theory he did, what does that mean? Well, I'm not really sure what it means because uh, – For one thing, Roe v. Wade was interpreted, was changed over the course of the years. There's been several other uh, opinions of the Supreme Court of the United States. And the bottom line, even going back to Roe, Roe would allow regulation by the states of abortions from the moment of conception to protect health. And even under the trimester scheme, after the first trimester, the state could regulate and even prohibit abortion. The way it evolved later on the viability test came into place states have the right to prohibit abortions after viability except to protect the health of the mother and congress has passed legislation that bans a so-called partial birth abortion and that was upheld by the supreme court so if chuck schumer says they want to uphold roe he's counting on people thinking that roe means an absolute right to abortion whenever up to birth and that is just simply not the law so what you're saying is there isn't a um, an option, because as we've talked before, if the Supremes do what was hinted at by this leak, we would then have 50 debates in 50 state legislatures. Um, but what he's, what he's saying sounds like they would take some sort of action that would preempt or supersede those 50 debates? Well, that's what he would try to do. But even if that statute passed, which we all understand is very unlikely to pass, it's not sure that I'm not certain that the constitutionality of that statute would be upheld for this reason. The federal government is a government of limited powers. It's up to the states to enact criminal sanctions, uh, health, safety, welfare regulations, and not the feds. The Commerce Clause allows Congress to go, go far, but probably would not extend to a statute that would take all the states out of any abortion regulation. So I think even if it passed, which it won't, I think it would be held to be unconstitutional, depending on, of course, how it was worded. Um, So, and and again, forgive me for being obtuse or or a slow student, but you're you're basically saying um, 
there's nothing in the Constitution that Congress could invoke that would make a establish some sort of minimum access to uh, or or basic abortion law. Maybe the states could could embellish on it, but they'd at least have to allow this or at least have to permit this. You're saying there's nothing like that. No, there, I, I, yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. Now, Congress can indirectly, through the power of the purse strings, try to influence states. Like you probably remember when uh, the feds imposed a 55-mile-an-hour speed mm-hmm. limit. Well, actually, they mm-hmm. left it to the states, but said if you don't do the 55 miles, you don't get federal funding. They could do something like that. But this notion that Congress could just come and wipe out 50 state statutes by, by a federal law, no, that's not the case. And the other thing, to another point you made, the if what Chuck Schumer's proposal is that abortion anytime, anywhere, up to the up to the moment of birth, that would run, as you pointed out, contrary to what most other countries are doing. In fact, there are only seven countries in mm. the whole world that allow abortion beyond twenty weeks. The United States is one of them, and the others include China, Vietnam, North Korea, Singapore, Netherlands, and Canada. So I guess theoretically people could go to Canada if there was uh, if there wasn't this nas- national protection or if the state started outlawing abortion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the the point I was making before we got you on was that, that I, I don't think they want people to notice how um, how far they're trying to go. They, they want you to think, well, we're just trying to be reasonable and uh, keep it as an option. But it sounds to me as if they actually are using this moment when supposedly abortion is under fire, to get more more access, more liberality on abortion than, than we've ever had in this country. I think that's absolutely right. And the polls that when people are asked if you would support a statute that protects Roe v. Wade, well, most folks don't understand because they're being misled. They don't understand that Roe never gave an absolute right to a woman to perform to have an abortion or to a doctor to perform an abortion. Never. Interesting. Uh, Professor Bill Pyatt, that's why, we, that's why we appreciate you and appreciate all the time you give us. Thank you for clearing both of those questions up today. We appreciate it. Thank you, Jack. Thank you very much. Uh, I had a lot of people write to me, by the way, and thank you, Professor. Yeah, a lot of people write to me about um, what this meant, the codification, and I wondered, too, so I'm glad we got him on to, uh, to explain that. And I want to see what you think about all this, and, and are you good with the states making the decisions? And, and knowing that there will be states that will do things that when you hear about them, you will be completely repulsed by. But are you okay with that? I mean, isn't that what we've, isn't that how we've lived our whole history? Isn't that patchwork or quilt or whatever you want to call it? That, that's, that's another way of saying federalism. That's another way of saying we are a union of states. Elon Musk is having the time of his life on Twitter, isn't he? He, uh, just a little while ago, he tweeted about how much he likes chocolate milk. But he tweeted on Sunday night, if I die under mysterious circumstances, it's been nice knowing you. And people got all freaked out. Some people thought he was referring to the Russians. Some people thought he was referring to the Clintons. (laughs) I think I'd be more worried about the Clintons. Um, he, uh, he was even scolded by his mom. She told him that his tweet upset a lot of people, including her. That's not funny, 
She responded, sorry, I'll do my best to stay alive. He assured her. Did you hear about what happened at the uh, playoff game between the Mavericks and the Phoenix Suns yesterday? So they were playing a Western Conference semifinal game. And um, according to the uh, Dallas Mavericks and the American Airlines Center, a Dallas fan had been harassing members of Chris Paul's family. His mother was there, his wife and his uh, family were there, and may have even put hands on them. The Mavericks put out a statement saying it was unacceptable behavior. The fan was removed from the arena. Uh, Chris Paul wasn't having it. He was angry. He tweeted about it, uh, pointing out that players get fines if they say things or gesture to fans, but the fans can put their hands on our families, and that's okay. He was upset. Dave Chappelle is supposedly upset. We talked about this last week. He was attacked at the Hollywood Bowl. Uh, Now, his lawyer tells the New York Post that he is upset that the attacker isn't being charged with a felony. Remember, we got into that a little bit last week with Nico LaHood and, and, and the reason he wasn't charged with a felony is because the 23-year-old guy, a guy named Isaiah Lee, who ran up and tackled Dave Chappelle during his concert, concert, uh, his comedy concert, uh, had a knife but didn't actually wield it or use it. It was in a bag. So the lawyer is saying, hey, this is a violent assault. He had a deadly weapon on him. Dave Chappelle's upset. Dave Chappelle should be upset. Chris Paul should be upset. Stop voting for Democrats. Stop voting for soft-on-crime liberals like the Los Angeles County DA. it, It wouldn't surprise... Let me put it this way. It would surprise me if all these celebrities aren't also people who vote for woke, George Soros-backed DAs. If you vote for it, you're going to get it. Welcome to our world. You know, I'm not saying this to be cruel. I don't want anything to happen to Chris Paul's family. It's outrageous. It's it's crude. It's ridiculous. I don't want anything to happen to Dave Chappelle or, or you or me or anybody. But the people that are complaining about this have also often been the people that have facilitated it happening. So, uh, vote different. I don't know what to tell you. You can be angry, but stop electing people and contributing to people who are giving us a world where violence can be justified and winked at because the rage and the indig- the the injustice. And if you don't like the world you've created, you got to change the way you've been voting. We don't like the world you've created, but we're not voting for these people. We haven't voted for them. So I'm sure Dave Chappelle's upset. And I'm not, I don't, please don't get me wrong. I'm not glad this happened. I'm not saying, go, I'm glue. No, I'm not. But now learn from it. You know, the entertainment industry is in shock, right? The Will Smith thing. All of this is a byproduct of what they've been defending and pushing on us for years. This is their culture. It's not mine. It's not yours. This isn't how we raise our kids. This is what they pump out 24-7, 365. And now all of a sudden it's starting to come a little too close to home, right? 
It was okay when it was happening to other people. It was okay to them. Boy, if it happens to them, wait a minute, what? He's not being charged? That's not a felony? Oh. We're here. Just join us anytime you want. Dave, Chris, we're here from 4 to 7 every day. Just let us know. We'd love to have you uh, in the ranks. Hey, um, so we're just getting word that they've uh, captured the, the getaway inmate and the guard who was with him, right? Yes, correct. In Indiana. Um, I thought we might have an update on that. Yeah, we're going to have uh, that right now, actually. Okay. This is a special report from ABC News. They got him, the Lauderdale County, Alabama jail escapee and the missing jail officer, found and in custody, according to law enforcement sources telling ABC News. The pair disappeared two Fridays ago. The prisoner, Casey White, is charged with murder. Both are now back in custody. The details include that there was a police chase in Evansville, Indiana. The prisoner was driving a pickup truck. The truck crashed. The jail officer is in the hospital. Again, they have both been found and both in custody. I'm Chuck Sievertson. This has been a special report from ABC News. All right, so that's the latest going on in Alabama. Oh, I'm not sure if it's in Alabama, but regarding the Alabama jailer right. and the uh, murder suspect, they've been captured after a police chase. Yeah, the uh, one of the TV stations in Evansville is saying that Vicki White, who was the uh, detention officer, she actually was the assistant director of corrections at that uh, jail um, and helped this guy get out. His name is also White, but they're not related. Uh, that she shot herself in the course of this pursuit. So uh, he's in custody. She's in the hospital in unknown condition, says W-A-A-Y Television in Evansville, Indiana. This is a story that's been going on for a number of days. You probably have heard about it. Uh, Vicki White was the assistant director of corrections at a county jail, basically, in Alabama. She was supposed to take this guy. His name is also uh, White, Casey White. Um, he's, a, he's a bad dude, accused murder, long rap sheet. She was supposed to take him to a mental health assessment. Or that's what she said when she signed him out. But then they took off. And um, she used an alias to buy a used Ford Edge. They switched to that vehicle. They've just found that vehicle, I think, earlier today. Uh, There was a story over the weekend that one of the reasons they were on the loose and hadn't been caught is that apparently Vicki White had a history of being very, very good to or treating very favorably inmates that had passed through this jail. And the theory they were going on at the U.S. Marshal Service is that she was using these former inmates as like a network, like, you know, like calling in chits or favors, and they were helping her and this other guy stay out on the lam. And then there's always been also been a lot of speculation about what the relationship was between Vicki White and Casey Cole White. Uh, because they put out word in the beginning that there was a special relationship between them, but then the authorities said, well, no, we don't mean a romantic one. Or, a, oh, no, I said, they said, we don't mean a sexual one. And so people thought, well, does that mean romantic or platonic, or they both just like the same baseball team, or what? 
And, you know, there's that whole thing, right? There's that whole phenomenon of, it's usually women, but I guess there are men that do it too, but there's that whole thing of women that um, fall in love with guys that are in prison and have this thing. I I, I saw a piece, I don't know if it was 60 Minutes or Dateline or whatever, one time they did this whole thing where they explained that it's got a name and it's it's a kind of attraction based on the fact that um, the person is desirable but unattainable or something like that. Well, I guess she attained him. So, But, yeah, there's all those cases, right? Remember there was that, there was a, I don't remember her name, there was a reporter who was covering the pharma bro, remember that guy that was doing price gouging? And she was like a business reporter. I want to say she was maybe with CNBC or Bloomberg, she was covering that story, and she wound up falling in love with him. And she quit her job, and she divorced her husband, and this guy was scum. <laughs> but she, she fell in love with him. And apparently this happens a lot. There's a book about it called Love Lockdown, Dating, Sex, and Marriage in America's Prisons. The woman that wrote the book, had an extensive pen pal relationship with a guy in prison. Boy, what what are the rest of us doing wrong, right? I don't know. Talk about a guy you can't take home to meet mom. You really can't take home these guys to meet mom unless you bust them out. Uh, quick update on a story we had last week. Do you remember we played for you the um, some of the debate clips and that really um, moving campaign video of Kathy Barnett, the uh, Pennsylvania Senate candidate. You may remember she talked about her mom being raped as a little girl and, and having Kathy as opposed to aborting her and how that changed her outlook on so many things when she realized that her mom could have and perhaps was under great pressure to abort her. She was raped when she was 11. Kathy Barnett had quite a a showing in that debate last week. It's a crowded field of candidates. Dr. Oz is the front runner, and he's the candidate that Donald Trump has endorsed. Well, now the new polling out of Pennsylvania says Kathy Barnett has caught Dr. Oz. In fact, there is now a three-way tie at the top of that race, but the momentum, the, gr- the largest uh, growth, has been for Kathy Barnett in that race. I got to tell you, I don't, live in Pennsylvania, obviously, but I I sure hope voters do not listen to Donald Trump in Pennsylvania because Mehmet Oz is not not the best guy for this. Um, And she seems like a real, just a real gem. And I don't don't know what will happen. I don't think Trump's endorsement is going to be as important as it was in Ohio. You know, in Ohio, he endorsed a, a fairly solid guy. I don't agree with J.D. Vance on everything, but J.D. Vance is probably a pretty good candidate for Ohio. He has a pretty good story, and he connects with Ohioans on a lot of key issues. Uh, Dr. Oz is kind of a weird beard. It just doesn't seem like a good choice. And I had never heard of this Kathy Barnett, but she seems like a much better choice, and as many people pointed out when we played that stuff last week, she seems like a kind of voice uh, that conservatives and Republicans need a lot more of. So we'll see what happens, but she's definitely caught up, and uh, we'll keep you posted. For the weekend, we had the protests outside the Supreme Court Justice Homes, some of them, 
And we had some violence and some vandalism and some arson attacks in three states that I know of against pro-life, anti-abortion groups. And whatever people are saying now in remorse or chagrin about those attacks doesn't matter as much as how A-OK they were last week. When it was being threatened, when maps of the justices' homes in suburban D.C. were being distributed, when there was every opportunity to short-circuit it, or at least to go on the record, even if you don't think you can stop it, to at least go on the record and say, hey, they don't speak for us, we're not okay with violence, intimidation, etc., etc., we draw a line. No. So I don't want to hear one more word about January 6th and insurrections and how triggered they are. I want to hear one more. Just sit down about that. Miss me with that. But do you see how how much gamesmanship is going on here? I mean, I'm sure that for you and me, abortion is something that's very private. It's very morals-based. We have a sense, each of us, I'm not saying yours and mine are the same, but we have, we have a sense that there is a right and a wrong to this. We may feel that way just about our own choices, or we may believe that the law needs to reflect how we feel. But to the politicians, to the professional agitators, to the political parties to the political media, this is a game. And it's a money-raising scheme. It's a fundraising scheme. They might as well be selling chocolate bars or cookies. And the rage of 2022, if the Supreme Court overturns Roe v. Wade, you saw a preview. You saw what this summer will look like in American cities if they do what we are given to believe they're going to do. So I don't want to hear the, oh, we, we regret, we don't support, this is not right. You didn't say squat when they were telling us last week, we're going to do these things. It didn't come out of the blue. It wasn't a surprise. It wasn't like nobody knew. So tell me what you think. 210-599-5555. Mitch McConnell is not innocent in this either. He threatened the other day to have a national ban on abortion something that's not legally possible. Chuck Schumer has threatened a national uh, enabling or codifying of Roe v. Wade. You just heard our constitutional law expert half an hour ago say, no, that's not possible either. They're playing. They're playing you. Should the states decide? 210-599-5555. And um, it turns out it actually is against federal law to attempt to, atti- to attempt to intimidate or influence officers of the court, which includes judges, jurors, other court employees. Do you think those protests were a violation of that? Where are the arrests? Where were the vans picking people up? That comparison to January 6th doesn't hold up too good, does it? There are still people in custody. 
210-599-5555. What do you think will be the effect of all this? You know, some people believe, I'm one of them, that this leak was intended to inflate the Democratic turnout in the midterm elections, that they needed something to gin up enthusiasm for voting, because there's no Trump to vote against, and everything the Democrats have touched has turned to you-know-what since they took office in 2021. So one theory is it's a it's a tool to motivate the the Democratic base. There's even a theory, believe it or not, that it was done by the conservatives. That they wanted to um, stir the pot. It's a little harder for me to believe that, not because I don't believe that Republicans can play tricks, but because there's nothing to indicate Republicans are going to have a lack of enthusiasm in the midterm elections. Everything seems to suggest that they're brimming with enthusiasm. They're chomping at the bit to vote. Everybody I talk to says that. It's the Democrats that seem to have a a need for more enthusiasm. And then was it going to bully or change the opinions of the justices? Clarence Thomas spoke to that over the weekend. He said, we can't be an institution that can be bullied into giving you just the outcomes you want, and it won't happen. He said, we, the American people, are becoming addicted to wanting particular outcomes, not living with the outcomes we don't like. I wonder how many people have actually read the Alito ruling. I'm not saying that to brag. I just, I'm curious because it feels to me like this is something a lot of people have been told about. You can read it. I mean, it's not light reading, but it's, you can read it. And what it sounds like, when you do, at least to me, is that it returns the issue of abortion to the realm of state lawmaking. Um, The people that are opposed to doing that are the people that claim to be defending democracy. But what's more democratic, the legislature's having an open debate that you can tune in and even participate in, conducted by people you voted for or can vote against, versus nine judges sitting on a bench that are unelected and and appointed for a lifetime. Which is more democratic? Why would the defenders of democracy be so upset by that prospect? Why are they saying that if it goes to the states, the states will get it wrong? That means you would get it wrong. That means you are wrong. That means they don't have you. They're not with you. So they're contradicting themselves because they claim to represent you. They claim, in fact, that 75% of Americans agree with them, in which case those legislative debates will be very short. But that's not what's happening. 210-599-5555. 210-599-5555. So, if the states have debates and pass laws, we will have an actual policy. If the Supreme Court rules, we'll have a ruling that people will then have to parse and pick out and figure out, well, what's allowed and what can you do and what can you not do. Because the the, the, the opinion and opinion of the Supreme Court is not written like a law. 
a law is written with specific language and clauses, and if this happens, you can do this, and if that happens, you can do that. But that isn't how this will work. It's a very odd situation. The defenders of democracy suddenly very afraid of what would happen if this issue was subjected to democracy. 210-599-5555. Linda is on KTSA. Linda, good afternoon. Hi, good afternoon. <clears throat> well, I want to speak, first of all, as a, a woman who had an abortion um, early in the 70s, within like, probably four years after Roe uh, was decided. And like most women, uh, we have been convinced that there's nothing there. Uh, it's just lots of tissues. And later, with ultrasound and having children later, we learned uh, in a very heartbreaking way that it was a baby. And it uh, will stay with you for decades. I went to a Tercio, uh, which is a, a religious you know, retreat, oh, probably about 15 years ago. And of the six women at my table, I, I don't even remember how we got onto the subject. But as I was talking about my um, abortion experience, all of a sudden everybody's crying at the table. <laughs> and when I stopped, there was one woman who was so upset, and she was probably about 50, because I was about that age. And she and to this day, she refuses to talk about it with me. And the other one was the mother who took a daughter in and regretted it very much. And women have, nobody talks about the damage it does to women. And what I dislike the most is the deceit, the deceit that this has been perpetrated among women. Most women, if you showed them an ultrasound, which is why they have fought so hard for against any mm-hmm. uh, consent laws that would say, first, a woman needs to have an ultrasound and see her ultrasound. Oh, that's right. No, it's, it's informing them of what they're going to do, that there is a baby there. And then if you go ahead and decide, that's one thing, but most women would not. The other thing they do is suppress the fact that there are crisis pregnancy centers everywhere. There are lots of places to go and have your baby find support. There's, I, I could give you a dozen names. So it's the continued lying and because it does hurt women. It, yesterday was Mother's Day. I lost one of my sons when he was 20. The other, I'm 40-something now. But every Mother's Day, I wonder, you know, I will see my child in heaven. But, you know, mm-hmm. it just might have been the little girl that I had always wanted. Mm-hmm. You can't undo what you've done. But there are many healing groups, too. And I'm crying because it's still a, a tender place in my heart. If you had an accident and you killed somebody, and we need to quit calling it murder. For the most part, women don't know what they're doing. It would be closer to involuntary manslaughter you know they're they're you know it's why they're upset and it's they know instinctively and this is it's a terrible tragedy for women who survive an abortion you have to be very callous to come out and say some of the things that these horrible activists say and are so proud of their abortion women are not they they 
they don't publicly come out and say, hey, you know, let's have an abortion party, right. although we need right. to get to that. So it's a very it's a very hard thing, and we need to be able to have it covered truthfully. And I am a retired attorney from a, another state in Texas, but I will tell you this, that when we were studying Roe versus Wade in, in school, um, you know, I remember our professors saying, you know, no matter how you feel about the outcome, everyone has roundly criticizes decisions. It's backward thinking. It is not a sound decision. And Ruth Gator, Gator, Ruth Bader Ginsburg has yes. also criticized it. So yes, it wasn't, they just out of cloth came up with this right. And what people need to understand is what they did was remove the state's rights under the 10th, 10th Amendment of the Constitution to decide such things. Every state in this country decides many criminal laws, including mm. murder, mm. homicide, any kind of homicide, you know, theft, mm. whatever. And it isn't a federal law. You suddenly say, you, mm. you know, so they need to understand that this is not going to wipe out abortion. You will still have California and probably New York and some of these states mm. have abortion freely given. But states like Texas, who are pro-life, many of the, the blue states, then they are, I mean, the red states, they are going to probably have strict strict prohibitions and started in Texas. And the third point, I think her name was Norma Jean Covey or McCovey. You know, she was Roe. She was the woman mm-hmm. who was Roe in Roe versus Wade. Mm-hmm. And she came out later to admit that this yes. was all a farce. Yes. And she wrote a book on it and that she was used and manipulated, but she was never raped and um, became very pro-life, and I know that she has died. But anyway, enough of my... <laughs> enough of no, my no, Linda, I'm glad, you, I'm glad you called. Can I, can I just ask you, it seems sure. like what you're saying is that at the time that, that you went through this, uh-huh. there, wasn't, there, there wasn't ultrasound, it didn't right. exist, there, there weren't a, pro, a proliferation of pregnancy crisis centers, if there were any, um, and, and, and so it was being presented to you as a young woman without the facts we have today. Is that safe to say? Correct. And I still remember at one point there was a, a magazine article, I think it was Life magazine, and uh, I think Nielsen is the name of the photographer, and he did these um, in utero uh, photos, and I still, it's so vivid in my mind, a 16-week-old baby, you want to reach out and hug it. And mm-hmm. any woman that would look at that would would be appalled at the thought of having an abortion. And with the support that is available for women now, mm-hmm. there's really no reason. And, you know, in the pro-life movement, they say love them both. They don't say, hey, you're just a murderer, no, don't do this. But they will provide, I mean, especially call any Catholic church. They will put you in touch with who you need, mm-hmm. to, and many of the Protestant churches, who you need to get in touch with to find financial help, medical help, emotional support, to, to not have to be forced to make such a difficult decision and, uh, and then live with the consequences later, which you will regret. Yeah, well, that's powerfully said, Linda. I, I appreciate your, I know that had to be hard to talk about and say, but I appreciate your saying it and 
Appreciate you. you. You've definitely helped somebody out there who's heard what you've just said. Well, I hope so, and thank you for um, your coverage of the topic and many of your wonderful things you covered. God bless you. Bye-bye. God bless you, too, Linda. Thank you. Boy, I, you know, I, I, talk, I talk on the radio every day, and I don't think I could lay myself open like that. That is... But I, I, I believe the the purpose was to help somebody make the right decision. And it reminded me of, we used to have a, a lady on the show, we should probably get her back, I, I, it's been a while, her name is Saren Foster, and she started a group called Feminists for Life back in the, well, around the Roe v. Wade period, I guess. And the purpose of Feminists for Life, she's a feminist, and and a very uh, politically, I, I would say her and I are very, very different. But she believed that there was a big lie being told to young women. And the lie was that if they got pregnant, their dreams were over. Their life was over. Uh, they had to choose between um, pregnancy and having a good life. That was one of the lies that sold abortion. And so the purpose of Feminists for Life was to give, they went onto the college campuses, they went to where these young women are and were, and the point was to say, look, we'll, we'll help you keep the baby. You can have your degree, you can go into your career, you can have the life you had been planning, and have this baby. And Saren Foster said it just took practical stuff. There needs to be child care. There needs to be help paying for stuff if the, if the man is not in the picture or they don't want him in the picture. Um, and it was a very powerful and very successful organization. And they, I believe, are still around. I think Saren Foster still is. And we'll get her on the show. Um, and, and that, I think, is where this whole conversation will go. Um. I don't think this is, ju- as, you, as you heard her say, this isn't just about abortion. It's about the aftermath either way, the aftermath of having an abortion, the aftermath of not. That's what life is about, right? Life is about being able to live with all the choices we make. And almost all the choices we make in life keep on going, right? Things keep on going. The, the, the decisions you've made in the past are still with you in some form, right? This one is too. Uh, the breaking news this hour that they have captured the two, um, I, I, I guess I, I guess the, the, the couple, <laughs> they're not related and we're told they're not actually a couple, but the, uh, the jail administrator and the escaped convict, uh, she was helping both with the last name of White. Uh, they had gotten out of uh, Lauderdale, Alabama. They were uh, spotted. There was a tip that came in last night uh, about a hotel and a vehicle they were in, and uh, they will now be brought back to Alabama for arraignment. The, in the course of the chase, the woman shot herself, according to the police. They say they fired no shots during the pursuit and apprehension, but she shot herself, they say, uh, and they're not releasing her condition, so we'll have the latest on that coming up in the news at 6. It's not an interesting thing 
that I wanted to turn into one of our questions. And I want to give you a little bit of time to think about this. Uh, somebody had started a, a conversation on Twitter where he was asking the question, who are the five most important people alive today? And not in order. Who would you say are the five most important people alive today? So they have to be living and their importance can be of a positive or negative nature. You may think that they're villainous, that they're heroic, that they're admirable, that they're dangerous. They can be Americans. They can be international. Uh, but they have to be alive. <laughs> uh, who are the five most important people alive today? Who would you say? Can I have your five? Can I get your five? 210 599 5555. And I'll tell you mine. I worked on that this afternoon. And I want to see what you say. So we're going to open up the phone lines. Phone lines are open right now for that. Five most important people alive in the world right now. And you can explain them or not explain them as you want to. 210 599 5555. You know what story has been interesting to me? And I, I've been following this for a few days now. I don't know if you've seen the new Spider Man movie. But uh, Sony was um, asked by the Chinese communists to delete the climactic scene in which the Statue of Liberty appears uh, in order for the movie to be distributed in China. This has been reported by Variety and Puck and a number of news sites. So it's not unusual for China to make these demands or requests. Uh, and most of the time, they are acceded to by the movie companies. Just like the NBA, just like Fortune 500 companies, oftentimes these, these company, companies cave to China because they want to have their product in, in China, and they know the Chinese communists are uncompromising. It's their way or the highway. In this case, apparently, Sony said no. Variety says they thought about it and said no. So the movie won't be released in China because the Statue of Liberty scene remains. And I have to say, I am glad to hear this because this doesn't happen very often. I'm kind of curious as to why it happened in this case. Why, why in this case did they dig their heels in? I mean, they should. And, and you know, the reason for digging your heels in is not even patriotism as much as it is artistic freedom. They go on and on. I mean, that's what these award shows are all about, the integrity of the art, the value of the art. The arts are important. The arts matter. Fund the arts. Well, if you're a true artist, when you're done, when you've finished it, when you've put it in the can, I realize they don't put them in cans anymore, you're supposed to defend the integrity of that. They're not supposed to change a thing. Nobody can. Nobody should. I made this. This is my creation. Unless you're communist China. I wonder why in this case, if, if this story is true, and it appears to be, why they stuck to their guns or statue. By the way, there's a whole history of Hollywood 
caving. We had an author on the show many years ago, probably more than 10 years ago, and he had written a book called The Collaboration. Len Irwand was his name, is his name. And his book was about how in the 1930s the Nazis had a guy in Hollywood, and Hollywood worked with him. They set him up with an office, and they ran everything by him, and he got to see all the new releases and read the scripts, and he made sure there wasn't anything in there that mocked Hitler or reflected badly on the Nazis. These were the Hollywood film companies. These were the names you know, MGM and so forth. And they did it because back in the 30s, Germany was what China is now. It was the biggest export market for Hollywood. And he talks about in this book how shameful and horrible in retrospect that looks. Might also explain why Hollywood suddenly got very patriotic and rah-rah once the war started. They were trying to help, they were hoping you would forget how collaborationist they had been before the war. I wonder if the same thing will happen now. I wonder if someday Hollywood will want to rewrite this history that they are writing right now with communist China. Or maybe I'm being too optimistic about that. We were just talking off the air about the uh, capture of these two escapees from Alabama. And I was saying, what we really need now, Dennis, is the Keith Morrison interview. Yeah, there, there has either that or some Lifetime movie or some something. Yeah, I mean, I know there has to be a legal process, and I'm all good with that. But let's face it, when, when we get Keith Morrison in there... That's when we find out what really happened, right? Yeah, he'll get to the bottom of it, really get the Abs- details. Of- absolutely. You know, he, has, he has that way of just looking at the person he's interviewing and going, what were you thinking? Or did you really love him? Yeah. Yeah. So and why do you cut your hair like that? Anyway. All right. So 608 on KTSA, Monday night, later in this hour, the results on our Stevens Roofing JR poll question. Yeah, I saw this thing on Twitter. I thought it was kind of an interesting question. Um, who are the five most important people alive today? Now, you can answer this personally if you wanted to, like if you have five children or something like that. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say you shouldn't, but that isn't the, that isn't the, the spirit in which I'm asking the question. I'm obviously asking it like, in the world, because so I realize your children are the most important thing to you, or your wife is the most important thing to you. But in the world, in terms of influence, inspiration, power, fear, loathing, who are the five most significant, most powerful, most important people alive today? So they have to be alive. 210 599 55, who would be your five? They don't have to be in order. Mine are not in order. But I wrote them down just in the order I thought of them. And you can have five. Start with Tom, 210-599-5555. Tom, good afternoon. Happy Monday. Happy Monday, Jack. Okay, so here's my list. Xi Jinping, number one. Um, He... He's trying to take over the world. Right. Uh, Donald Trump, because he's the kingmaker in this country. Okay. Um, uh, let's see. Of course, uh, Putin, because he's the biggest thug okay. in the world. Um, I had five. I had five, and they were in my head. Um, 
So far we have Xi, Trump, and Putin. You get two more. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I lost them, Jack. I'm sorry, well, man. That's okay. When you think back, when you think of them, call me back, okay? Yeah, I will, buddy. Thank okay. You. All right, Thank bye. you, Tom. I understand how that happens. You're on hold and other things are going on. And I always think it's funny when we have people on hold. Have you heard this happen on the show? It happens all the time. Well, if somebody on hold, we go to them, they're ordering at a drive-up window. <laughs> Just You know, you think to yourself, this might work and it might not, but I'm going to try it. You get in that line, that's when Jack goes to you. All right, five most important people alive today. You can answer it with personal importance if you wish. Uh, but uh, I think it's more interesting to, to sort of think about it in terms of, like, the world, you know. So th- this is how I wrote it down. And, again, these are not in order. Uh, the first name that came to my head was Clarence Thomas because of what's in the news right now and because I think that he is the 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 conscience of conservatism in the judiciary. Um, I, I, th- I think he has, I don't think he always was. Uh, perhaps I would have said, um, you know, Antonin Scalia, if he was still alive, but, but with his passing, to me, Clarence Thomas is the conservative conscience of the judiciary. Second name I came up with was Donald Trump. Same thing that uh, Tom said, kingmaker. The third name I wrote down, and he, he, now he said she on his list. I wrote down Tsai Ing-wen, who is the president of Taiwan. You never hear about her. Um, she's not a very colorful or charismatic politician, but she's the president of the country that is right in the crosshairs of the communist Chinese. I mean, Taiwan lives, probably only Israel could relate to what Taiwan has to live under. And she's a pretty extraordinary leader. She's been very strong, very consistent. Uh, she's not a natural politician. She came up through the ranks of academia. Um, she's a very unusual leader for her country, probably a very unusual leader in the world. But Tsai Ing-wen was on my list. Elon Musk is on my list. No explanation needed. And then for fifth, I put, I had a lot of other names. I thought about Zelensky. I thought about, uh, I thought about Rand Paul. I thought about Joe Manchin. But I decided to put as fifth on my list school board parents, the people that are coming to school board meetings, the people that have risen up and have remade, rearranged the furniture politically in our country. There's been nothing there's been nothing more disruptive to the status quo in America in the last two years than school board parents. So I made them number five. So Clarence Thomas, Donald Trump, sighing win, Elon Musk, school board parents. I want to get your five most important people alive in the world today. To, there's no wrong answers, right? And it can be if you want to make it personal, the people that are important to you, but really asking more like in terms of names, influences we would all recognize. It can be positive or negative. Maybe you have some villains. Maybe you have some heroes. Maybe they're all villains. I don't know. Who would be your five most important people alive today? 210-599-5555. You can email me, jack at ktsa.com. 
Woody is on the radio. Woody, good afternoon. Hey, good evening, Jack. So who would be on your list? So I, I hope you give me some grace here. These are personal uh, personal people that have been in my life, and they changed my life. They absolutely changed and influenced my life for the positive. Um, starting with Bernie Higgins, this man taught me how to work. And next would be Mike Heath. Mike taught me how to be a carpenter. Next would be a man named Tim Stajanek. And Tim taught me how to be a cabinet maker. And next would be a man named Jake Ellis. And he taught me how to be a builder. And finally, David Polito, who stepped in and became a surrogate father to me um, after my father had passed. Okay. Well, those are that's very poignant, and it's nice that you... It sounds like they are people you think about all the time. I, I do, and I'll tell you what. They have more impact on me than any politician or mm-hmm. public figure, mm-hmm. um, and they have, have certainly changed the trajectory of my life. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I'm glad. I think that's. I think that's great that you remember them and, and, I, and, and credit them. You know, they are. They are amazing people. Amazing, right. amazing people. Thank you, Woody. Appreciate having you. Thank you. Um, you can certainly answer it that way. The, the spirit I'm asking it is really more like people that are changing the world. But if they changed your world, you want to do that? That's good too. Two ten. Five nine nine fifty five fifty five. Five most important people alive today. Who would they be? And they may be important in ways you don't like or appreciate, like we had a guy say Putin, or they may be people you do appreciate, or some of both. I actually put for me. I, I named people that I think are positive uh, influences that have that are that have and are doing. Things that are positive, um, I. But I mean, I, I had to. I had to figure out how to narrow it down because you can think of way more than five. So I kind of. I kind of went that direction with it. You don't have to. Two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five. I had seen this on somebody's Twitter feed. I thought it was an interesting thought question. <laughs> you want to? You want to hear me say that very often? I saw something on Twitter and it was interesting. Uh, it won't be a commonly heard sentiment on this show. All right, so who would be on your top five list, 210-599-5555? I, I think there are probably are important people whose names we don't know, right? I mean, there's, there's powers behind the thrones, right? There's people who are working behind the facade of famous people. Like, sometimes the most famous people are not necessarily the most influential there were people, there were some lists I saw that were made up of basically very famous people. And the idea was that somebody like Kim Kardashian or Oprah Winfrey influences a lot of people or uh, has an, a, an effect on a lot of people. I, I guess I can't argue with that. I guess they do. I don't feel like celebrating that, but I guess there's no arguing with it. Um, so I was thinking more in terms of people that have had an impact and 
whose impact I think has been positive. But you can take it any direction you want to take it in. Miguel is on 550 and 1071 KTSA. All right, Miguel, the five most important people alive. Okay, number one is the most important politician that I've ever known would be Ron Paul. Ron Paul. And, of course, my my preacher, I've always liked him, and I think he, they really kind of, uh, you know, made him look bad over the years. Jimmy Swaggart. I like him. I also okay. like Is he still alive? Is Jimmy Swaggart still alive? Oh, yes. Uh, he's still oh, I didn't even know TV that. To his son. Oh, okay. His son uh, does a lot of the preaching, but, you know, okay. they, uh, that's a good show. But anyway, okay. I, number three would be, Loretta Lynn, because she pulled herself up from, you know, all that poverty, and I, I really like her, and I like going to see her concerts and everything okay. like that. And uh, number four would be he's always ahead of his time. He has been for 25 years, and that's Alex Jones, uh, radio host. Mm-hmm. And, of course, number five would be Mr. Trump. I love him. Would be who? Would be who? Mr. Trump. Oh, Trump. Okay. President Trump. All right. President all right. Trump. No, don't get mad. You just you broke up a little bit. I couldn't hear you. That's all. Uh, okay. I'm I'm over by Shiner, <laughs> uh, by the Shiner Brewery. So I'm pretty far away from you. But I'm I don't hear very well, and your your signal broke up. I'm not giving you a hard time. I'm, okay. I'm, I'm in my 1973 Grand Torino, and I and I well, got a really go. good AM radio. A, AM. Well, radio that's all you need. You. That's, that's all, all you need. need. All right, Miguel. Thank you. Thank you for the list. Appreciate it. All right. (laughs) Yeah, we've talked about abortion today, and they're getting pissed off at me for making them repeat a name. All right. 210-599-5555. Jeff is on the radio on KTSA. Hi, Jeff. Hey, good afternoon, Jack. Um, For the five you've already heard several times, she, Putin, Trump, and Musk, but my fifth one is whoever the they is in the Biden administration that is actually running the show. <laughs> now, do you think it's a single person or like a committee or what do you, how do you? Well, if I had to bet my money, I would bet it's a couple of people. And that's scary. <laughs> but I, I, I don't think it's a single person. I think that person would have yeah. been ferreted out by their position. Yeah. Uh, but I think it's two or three people that kind of decide yeah. what he's going to do, what he's going to say, and they get it to him, and he does it or says it. Yeah. Well, they need to get on him about all the references he makes. If you're going to have a secret plot, you can't keep saying, they won't allow me, and they told me, and... Well, that's the whole They're going to have to take his pudding off the tray if he keeps saying that, right? <laughs> yes. No jello tonight if you let the cat out of the bag. <laughs> now, you said um, she, Putin, Trump, and Musk, and then the, the mysterious uh, they. Um, you know, I, I thought about she and Putin. I knew a lot of people would say them. But I'd like to think that maybe... Um, and and maybe I'm naive to say this. I, I'd like to think that maybe both of them have peaked. Well, you sure hope so. Uh, you know, they're both getting up there. I think they're both, you know, around 70. 
Uh, they, um, they've been in a long time. I think they have a lot of internal troubles in their countries. I don't, I don't think either one of them are completely in control of their countries. You know, we're very worried about them and their regimes, but I, I'd like to think that maybe both of them have, have, have hit their, their peak. Maybe I'm wrong, but I, I agree that they belong on the list. And Jeff, I appreciate the call. Thank you. Yeah. So a lot of people are going to mention, our uh our bet noirs right she and putin um who would you put on a list of the five most important people alive today the important can be important in a positive or negative way 210-599-5555 can come from the sciences can come from politics can come from well country music anything anything you want um or if you want to take it in a personal way you can but obviously we we won't know who you're talking about but I'm thinking more in terms of people that are that are having an influence, having an effect on the world or our world or society, right? So we'll talk about that. We're going to get your votes in on the JR poll at 210-599-5555. And um, I don't know if you saw this. Um, Bono and The Edge from U2 were in Kiev. Over the weekend, they were invited to go, and they performed, I guess yesterday, at a um, subway station turned into a bomb shelter. Do we have some of that music done? This is uh, some of the performance they gave down there in the in the subway station, U2. Performed several U2 songs, Desire, Angel of Harlem, Vertigo. They did the old Benny King song, Stand By Me. They brought in a uh, Ukrainian rock singer uh, named Taras Topolya, or Topolya, who uh, performed with them. And I guess he had been part of bringing them in. So uh, that's pretty cool. And I'm sure it meant a lot to the people that got to see it or hear it in Ukraine. Through the emails here, Jack at KTSA.com. A lot of people, it's, it's really funny, a lot of people are including in their top five whoever is running, well, like Jen says, whoever's running Biden's cabinet. Uh, Tony says, whoever is running Biden. <laughs> yeah, I mean, who, who, who are they? He always talks about they. Who are they? We need to know. We'll probably never know. Um, Here's the president the other day. He's trying to honor he's trying to honor teachers. I'll leave it up to you as to whether or not he honored them or did something else to them. Take a listen to this. You know, uh, along with all the mayors, how many mayors are here today? American mayors. All right. And how many diplomats are here from various parts of the world? You can raise your hand. It's okay. You don't want to be seen. It's like, you know, I don't know. I'm not sure he wants to, you know. And how, how many advocates and community leaders are here? All right. Uh, well, teachers, I, you know, I sleep with the teacher every night. 
Same one. Same one. If I didn't like teachers, I'd be sleeping alone. I'd be in a different place. Mm. 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 So I would like to honor the military. (laughs) Nope. Not going there. Two (laughs) ten. Any takers? No? Okay. Uh, coming up this half hour, the results of the JR poll, 210-599-5555. Who, who, is, uh, who are the five most important people alive today, in your opinion? And uh, Sam is on 550 and 107.1 KTSA. Hi, Sam. Hello, Jack. I, my God, I, I feel like honored. I've been I listened to her for years and years and years. This is the first time I've ever got a chance to get on. Oh, I'm, I'm anyway, so glad you called then. Thank you. Well, I, I'm not, I'm not going to give up. I, I wanted to talk to you. Uh, but listen, um, besides my mother, who would be 100 years old in November, who came to this country with no penny and never took welfare, never took a penny from the government and educated five kids through college, I think she's a great lady. But hmm. here, here's my, 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 my five guys. Okay, uh, and you may not agree with me, uh, but I, I don't think this is a, okay. a program of, of agreeing and disagreeing. Right. But I, I I like Mitt Romney, okay. Warren Buffett, Vicente Fox out of Mexico. He was the first guy that out of forty years able to overthrow that that congruent government. Right, right. Pope Paul and Zelensky, who I think would be eventually recognized as the Winston Churchill of the modern year. Okay, did you mean Pope Francis? Uh, Pope Paul. He's Pope Paul. That, 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 that was uh, two two popes ago. Away, away. Oh, okay. Because we were saying people that are alive it, today. God, you're right. I, I, you're right. You're right. So I. That's okay. We'll That's all right. That. We'll leave that one. And um, Wh- and of course Zelensky and um, Zelensky. And, and I'm going to do one more comment, and it's sure. not going to be a commercial. Okay. But um, Doctor uh, Habakor. Yes, I um, I had various um, uh, people that I spoke to, and I finally listened to your program. I went to see the guy; he was fabulous. Took care of me, just like you yeah. described on radio. Great personality, and you know what? More importantly, two days later, he called me personally, wonder how I was doing. I mean, I was like, mm. yeah, I've never had anybody call me. A doctor, you know, right? How are you doing? And and said any problems? Call my my. I mean, the, 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 I always hear commercials about the guy. Not tell you what, you do not overestimate anything about this guy. He is fantastic. Yeah. No, he's the real. He's the real deal. He really is. I'm glad he took good care of you, and I'm I'm glad you called, Sam. I hope you'll call again. Now that we've done it, we can do it again, right? I I, I promise you, I will, Jack. I listen to you every damn day, and 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 uh-huh. I. I, I, I enjoy your style of, of, of being a, a radio guy. I, I know you're conservative. I'm a moderate, but I but I really appreciate the fact that you're you know being to any extreme, and, and that's I, I think people like that. I think people like if you're conservative, that's fine. If you're moderate, or you're liberal, but people want to have a, a nice conversation that we can yeah. all say, well, don't agree, but we're going to agree to disagree. Right. There you go. 
There you go. I love it. Thank you, Sam. Thank you. You have a good night, sir. Thank you. Appreciate your call. Appreciate your kind words. Uh, 210-599-5555. Yeah, there's no right or wrong answers. Just want to know what you would say. Uh, top five most important people alive in the world today. Robert is on the radio. Hi, Robert. Hey, how's it going? It's going. Yeah, I just wanted to jump in with my five. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm very into music. I've been a DJ. I've been a singer. And my five have to be Jimmy Page, Robert Plant, John Paul Jones, and their Canadian counterparts, Getty Lee and Alex Lifeson. Rush. Exactly. Okay. All right. Hey, that's, you know, music is important. Was it hard to come up with those five, or did they pop right into your head, or did you have to, like, narrow it down? The first three were easy. Um, my big brother, Alex, took me to see them for the first my first concert when I was 15 in, in the D.C. suburbs of Landover. There you go. And then, my, and then I just, my, my senior year lab partner turned me on to 2112, and that was it for me. <laughs> Very cool. Very cool. Well, I'm glad you called, Robert, and I appreciate he- hearing from you. And that's a different kind of list, but we'll take any kind we get. Uh, 210-599-5555 or jack at ktsa.com. Uh, Joe writes, uh, five most important people alive, Klaus Schwab of the World Economic Forum, Elon Musk, Donald Trump disruptor, he writes, Ron DeSantis, same as Trump, but with more tact, he writes, and Thomas Sowell, in my opinion, originator of the modern-day conservatism and a powerhouse economist. Yeah, Thomas Sowell's a good choice. Um, let's see. Ruth writes to Jack at KTSA.com. Almost the same list. Trump, Elon Musk, Thomas Sowell, Jeff Bezos. All right. Uh, who would be the top five most important people alive in the world today, your opinion? 210-599-5555, or if you want to e- email it to me, uh, jack at ktsa.com. You can tweet it at me, Radio Jack R, on, uh, on Twitter. I, I do like the idea of who's running Biden. You know, that can be our, it can be like our question mark entry. And you can just put one name on there, but uh, it's probably more than one person, right? I would imagine there is. Um, you know, one of the things that I was thinking about when I was trying to come up with my names, and again, I went ahead and just wrote down the first names that came to mind. So I probably most people had to had to like winnow it. You you think of a lot of people in a lot of different spheres and areas and personal and public, and I just said I'm just going to do the, the first five I come up with. But one of the things that that is definitely true is that politicians. You don't need a list of all politicians, and nobody's list has been all politicians. You notice that? Um, the other thing that I think is interesting is I wonder how many of these lists, almost all of these lists have Elon Musk. I wonder how many of these lists would have had Elon Musk like a month or two ago. So this is, I mean, we knew he was. We knew he was rich. We knew he was influential. He created a lot of brands. But there's something about the Twitter deal and their resistance to him and his pluck or panache or whatever in doing it that I think has has kind of vaulted him to another level, right? And um, 
You know, what's really interesting is we've had a only a couple of well, we had one gentleman mention his his uh, affinity for Jimmy Swaggart. We've had a couple of lists mention a personal pastor. Um, not a lot of religious leaders, though. And I, I'm, I'm really surprised no one has said Pope Francis. I would not include him. But you would think at any time in modern times, a list like this would include the Pope or a major religious leader, but no. And I think that might be because we're kind of in a, a valley right now as far as, I don't think we have a lot of great ones. I'm not saying that to insult anybody or besmirch your list, but I, I don't think we have, I don't, I, we're not living in a time of giants when it comes to faith building and faith leadership. I feel the room swing from the band swing one of our old favorite songs from way back when song there he is, Louis Armstrong. A little story about him coming up here on KTSa on the JR poll powered by Stevens Roofing. Do you favor each state making its own abortion laws? On the JR poll tonight, ninety-four percent said yes, six percent said no. We've been talking about this uh, on and off during the last, uh, I guess, half hour, three-quarters of an hour. Uh, top five most important people alive today. Just an opinion question. No right or wrong answers. Uh, and Sam has a list for us on KTSA. Hi, Sam. Hey, how are you today? Good. What do you got for us? Good, good. Well, I've got a little bit different take on this. So the caller of Wild Bat said... Uh, the question mark about who leads Biden. Well, I've got right. a little bit different take. So, okay. sometimes it may be this election, it may be the next election, but whoever, and it could be all of them straight down the line, or it could be a combination, but whoever the next president, vice president, secretary of the state, speaker of the house, and whatever falls down, down to number five, I think that combination is going to, I mean, they can't get it. So in our country, so I think that combination of whoever it is is going to turn the country. Oh, okay. So in other words, it's five people who we may not know their names yet, but we know what their titles right. will be. Gotcha. Okay. Right. All right. They, Fair enough. That's an interesting take. They're working. Yeah, and you know they're they're working in the woodwork. You know, we may not necessarily know who okay. they are. Um, you know, and then they may be up and coming, but I think that'll happen. I really do. I, from your lips to God's ears, or the voters' ears. Thank you, Sam. Good call tonight. Appreciate having you. Um, yeah, I was thinking as I was looking at the lists and listening to the lists, kind of surprising no one said Bill Gates. I think in the past, his star may have dimmed a little, but I think in the past somebody would have named Bill Gates. Nobody said George Soros, who's definitely behind a lot of what's going on, not, in my opinion, in a good way. Um, I was the only one that mentioned a Supreme Court justice. You would have maybe thought more more of that. Um, no broadcasters on this list at all. <laughs> maybe we're in a little bit of a valley on that, too. I don't know. Uh, the only president mentioned, Donald Trump. No former presidents, the current president. 
So anyway, thanks to everybody that made a list and sent it over by uh, email or Twitter or called it in. So we played a little uh, Hello, Dolly by Louis Armstrong. This is the day in 1964 that Louis Armstrong became the oldest artist ever to reach number one on the pop charts. And it was with that recording of Hello, Dolly, which was from the Broadway show, originally sung by Carol Channing. And the funny thing about it is he recorded this as a throwaway. He recorded it to help promote the Broadway show. He had no intention of becoming known for that song. He was already very famous and wasn't trying to be hip. The Beatles had been at the top of the charts for three-plus months when Hello, Dolly! displaced the Beatles on this day in 1964. It ultimately became the third biggest hit of 1964 between two Beatles songs, won the Grammy for Song of the Year, and became, in the middle of a very long career, probably the best-known recording by Louis Armstrong. In later years, he would say, I had to look at sheet music to remember how to sing it and remember the lyrics. But you never know, right? So we'll leave you with a little more. Hello, Dolly. And say goodbye until tomorrow at 4. Hello, Dolly. This is Louis. Dolly, it's so nice to have you back where you belong. You looking swell, darling, I can tell, darling, you still glowing, you still glowing, you still going strong, I feel the room swing, from the band's playing one of our old favorite songs, from way back when, so, big a rap, Final and empty left, brothers, darling.